Revelation 12:11 And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives to the death. Welcome to by the word of their testimony and here is your host Etienne McClintock. Dear listener, greetings and a warm welcome. Thank you for joining me on the program again today. I'm delighted to have your company. I have a very special guest in the studio. And his name is Morgan Vincent. Morgan, welcome to the program. Thanks, Etienne. Great to be here this morning. Yeah, fantastic. Now, you're not a total stranger to uh, 3ABN because you do some uh, television programs for us on the program called Let God Speak. I do, yes. Half-hour program. It does a Bible study and shares and a couple mm-hmm. of panelists and a presenter. How have you been finding that? Yeah, it's good. I really enjoy it. It's uh, you know, it's something different, an experience up until this year I haven't had before. Mm. Uh, but it's great to yeah learn from others as well as um, obviously directly from the Bible and to yeah have those conversations and it's always a bit of fun as well. It, it is indeed, yeah. And of course, radio is a little bit different to that. Uh, I think it's less pressure. You don't have to brush your hair. And of course, you don't need any makeup. Where with their television one uh, for the <laughs> listening audience, they want you to wear makeup quite simply. They don't want you to shine. Mm-hmm. And what they mean by shine is the natural oils you may have on your skin, you know, the, the light reflects of that, so they give you a matte finish. Mm. And then, of course, you all look attractive for the half hour they record the program. It's true. It's true. And you've got to remember to go and wash the stuff off before you go out because yes. some people look at you and go, oh, that guy's a little bit funny. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I'm glad you're here on in the radio program. It's less pressure, and you can mm. just be yourself here a little bit more, I think, and uh, you can just sit here comfortably. But the Tell us a little bit about yourself, Morgan. What are you up to? Yeah, sure, Etienne. So at the moment, uh, I'm studying at Avondale College, or Avondale University College, as it's now called. And uh, I'm there this year in the first of two years doing uh, what's called the Graduate Diploma of Ministry and Theology. And so in a nutshell, that's the postgraduate program for studying theology uh, at Avondale. Okay. And so it's a two-year course, as I said. And uh, yeah, exams this week at the moment. And, wow, so uh, I appreciate you taking time out of your very busy schedule preparing for exams yeah, just no, to come and share. It's, um, it's great to be here. And uh, yeah, as I said, you know, it's, it's a part of, you know, being on the radio like this. It's, you know, it's all part of the, the experiences, you know, necessary to not just, you know, learn in a classroom, but to learn practically uh, in, as well. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. Look, I, since I've been doing radio, I've learned quite a lot in regards to communication. Even energy levels, it just seems like, you know, when you speak on radio, you think mm. you're energetic, you're going to listen to it, and it just sounds flat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's, of course, because you don't have the, the the ability to see a person when they communicate, and somehow you just lose some of that energy. So you just got to be slightly up, more upbeat mm. if you want to sound normal on radio. It's funny, yeah. <laughs> it's funny how that works. But listen, so you're doing two years. That would suggest to me that you've got some other qualifications already. Yeah, yeah. So I, I didn't just you know, strike it lucky to get a two-year course instead of four. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, prior to that, uh, I've worked um, two years as a chaplain and a teacher, and, and we can chat more about that later. But the yeah. other study I've done uh, was the, the, the Bachelors of uh, Primary Teaching at uh, Newcastle University. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that was from 2012 yeah. to, you know, the four-year course. So 
Okay, fantastic. And uh, somehow the Lord has obviously led you in a slightly different direction to teaching, although a pastor is a teacher in a sense as well, isn't he? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, it's, you know, I can look back now and and see that all of the experiences I've gained along the way uh, has led to where I am and has, you know, better equipped me for where I am now. Fantastic, yeah. And, uh, yeah, no experience, you know, of studying teaching was uh, in vain. Um, Thoroughly enjoyed it. And, uh, yeah, there was just some... Uh, yeah, more of God's leading in my life that as time went on, uh, he made it quite evident and clear that um, this is where I need to be for today. Yeah, that is fantastic. It's just amazing how none of the experiences of the past actually are lost, you know, when you work for the Lord. He's mm-hmm. always able to tap into those. Even sometimes, dare I say, the, the bad experience. Mm. And I was, as you were saying that, I was thinking of that text there in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, where it says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God mm. to those who are called according to his purpose. So we mm. praise God that those experiences of the past are actually a blessing now with what God has called you to do in the present and hereafter mm. as well. Mm. But tell us, where were you born? It sounds like you've got an Australian accent. I do, yes. Uh, I was born not too far from here in Newcastle, so John oh. Hunter Hospital and yeah, was raised, um, you know, mum, dad, three older brothers as well. And you're so, the youngest. Yeah, youngest okay, of number four. number four. Yes, youngest of four. So mm. uh, there's 11 years between us from my oldest to myself. That's a good spread. It was. Yeah, it is <laughs> as well. And so, yeah, so it was always great to, you know, have uh, time in the afternoons, you know, playing sports in the backyard. And so, yeah, it was a really positive, healthy upbringing. Mm. Um, yeah. My parents, they would do, you know, everything and anything for us. Uh, they decided, you know, they wanted to put us through, you know, good education and, and mm. you know, give us as many opportunities, you know, to do the things we like. And, and so it was a, a great upbringing uh, with that regard. And so something that will keep coming throughout the, the, the interview today, Etienne, is uh, this idea that, you know, we all, you know, desire to be loved and to be accepted uh, and to, uh, to, 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 to find that in my family uh, as I grew up has given me a good foundation Wow! Uh, for Wonderful. life. Yes, there's been, you know, turns along the way. There's been, you know, bad decisions I've made and, you know, you know immature decisions I've made. But, but by and large, that foundation I had growing up mm. uh, was paramount for um, perhaps saving me from even more scary. More scary things. more dangerous sure. things. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. You yeah, know, that's very important. And mm-hmm. how blessed you are to have been raised in a family. Yeah where that was part of your upbringing, where you were loved and cared for and, you know, appreciated. Mm. Because unfortunately many people in this world who actually do not have that, they are born uh, almost on the back foot, so to speak, Mm -hmm. you know, where, you know, there's a breakup in the family or the father's not around or there's many things. Mm. And uh, we all long for that uh, level of acceptance, that level of love. And uh, ultimately, if they don't find it in their home family, you Mm. know, you when you become part of the family of God, mm. you find that acceptance. And um, even the Apostle Paul talks about that acceptance. I think it's in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6. It says that God had made us, that's our fallen, sinful, erring human beings. You know, mm. Sometimes other people may consider even the scum of the earth. He's made us accepted or mm. acceptable in the beloved. So mm. in Christ we've been perfected, and God has loved us through Christ uh, and that is a, a, a wonderful part of the gospel. But anyway, so you raised in this family. Is it a Christian family that you brought up in, or was it a secular family? Yeah, so it was a Christian uh, Christian family. And so with that, uh, you know, my parents weren't always. Hmm. And so I'll just quickly comment on that. And so my my parents, you know, they 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 met and uh, you know in their kind of later teens, early twenties. Hmm. And my mother was raised in a Catholic home. Okay, um, but my father. 
in the religion of sport as, oh, okay. uh, as many Australian as many Australian men uh, were, mm. and so yeah, they, they, they met, and upon having you know married, then upon having their first child, they they really wanted to raise their children um, in in a better way than they had well, in their okay. home, okay. You know, in their home, in their upbringing. That's always a great attitude to have towards child rearing, isn't it? Yeah, to want to give them a better opportunity in life to do mm. well. Yeah, and yeah. so they they wanted to you know take it another step, take it a you know do do better than than what was given to them. Not that mm. it was necessarily horrible or horrific, but just you know they wanted yeah. to, to 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 advance upon what they were raised in. Sure. And so with that, then they were you know they were discussing, they were thinking, okay, how can we raise our children you know in the best possible way? And they knew a Christian worldview was was best for that. Wow. And so then. So important to have it, Christian worldview being brought into families at a young age because yeah. the Christian worldview is being lost. There's mm. even some atheists now that are lamenting the fact that the Christian worldview is being lost in the West. Mm. I think of Richard Dawkins, for example. He's a foremost atheist and, and, and vehemently opposed to the Christian worldview. Mm-hmm. However, he can also see the benefits from sure. the Christian worldview. And as we're losing it, he, he's, he's, he's sad about that aspect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and it, it's absolutely true. And so then, you know, my parents... They they had a neighbor at the time mm. who was also you know had a, had a, he and his wife had a child at a young age too, and and they were searching and through providence, as then as my parents' neighbor was searching and, and finding you know which church to go to and where to to raise their their child in faith, invited my parents along to uh, to to a Sabbath school to a, you know a, like a, a children's. You know, opportunity to, to learn about God and you know okay. have fun and meet meet other children. So when you use the term Sabbath school, that sounds like it would have taken place on the Sabbath, which yeah. is Saturday. Yes, yeah. Okay. And so, so Seventh Day Venice Church we're talking about here. Yes, yeah, in wow. Newcastle. Okay. And so yeah, my parents, you know, they, they took uh, my my oldest brother along to that, hmm. and more or less the rest is history. Wow. And so it was through wanting to give their children the best possible life yeah that they in turn had uh the god-shaped hole in their heart filled uh, yeah so they got acquainted with god through wanting to do well for their children exactly that that Mm. i think that is implanted that's instilled in the hearts and minds of Mm. parents you know wanting to do well for their children Mm. and i think if they follow the path where god is drawing them and and leading them Mm. ultimately they'll come in connection with god themselves yeah, it's true. And it's amazing how when you look back, God uses any and every situation possible mm. to to bring about people drawing closer to him and, and, and loving him and, and following him. And so, you know, for, for, for me, it was different. Uh, but for my parents, it was, you know, to raise their children. And through that, wanting the best interest of their children, they were in turn blessed um, by that as well. Wow. Okay. So it started with your older brother. Yeah, yep. So okay, older so brother, and then you know, as as the the next two brothers came along, uh, you know, we we would all you know we went through Macquarie College, hmm. uh, which is the the Seventh Day Adventist School in Newcastle. Right. And yeah, then I you know came onto the scene in 1993. Okay. So right. do the maths. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> so not an old fella, but definitely not a young young fella. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Depending so, on your point of reference. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh, I okay. still say young. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> 
Definitely younger than 45, for example, or That's right. 55. Or <laughs> yeah, true. Okay, so uh, by the time you come along, obviously you've had a few brothers go through the college there. Mm. You, your parents are uh, more settled, I guess, in, in the faith as well. Mm, mm. And uh, you get the benefit of all of that. Yeah, definitely, mm. definitely. I sometimes wonder, you know, when a child is born, uh, is it better to be the oldest or the youngest? I guess they both have their benefits. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> okay, so you're raised in the Christian environment. So is all the influences, you know, at home, family, uh, school, etc. Is it all wholesome? Mm. Are you are you protected from uh, you know uh, unseemly things? It, definitely at home. Yeah, definitely okay. at home. Okay. Um, you know, it was an incredible upbringing, and, and mm. you know, still, you know, with with the family contact that we have, uh, it was an incredible upbringing. As, as I mentioned earlier, you know, things were provided for us. Yeah. And you know, I always would see, and I can say the same for my brothers. We would always see. You know, our parents giving, our parents providing and loving and protecting and caring and, and doing everything and anything they could for us. Wow. Uh, and obviously for, for others as well. Mm. But where there was the difference was as my peers in, at school and as people at school knew that, oh, he's Morgan Vincent, he's got, you know, two and three older brothers, uh, they thought, oh, well, he's, just, he's a Seventh-day Adventist, like he's a Christian, you know, he, he follows God. And so there were assumptions made based the, on your pe- pedigree. Correct, correct. Okay. But yet there was uh, a bit of a difference between the environment at uh, home mm. and the environment within my friendship circles. Right. And, you know, class year. Mm. And so that wasn't all the students, but, you know, there were a number of them where more or less, as I mentioned earlier and, and alluded to earlier, was that there was this this idea and this tension of, you know, we're all wanting to be loved and we're all wanting to be accepted. Yeah. And it's the question of what what do we do or what do we not do in order to be loved and to be accepted. accepted yeah. And so that's peer where pressure and things like that. And yeah. it's a common thing and, and I think sometimes it can be an overlooked thing. Mm. Um, but it's it's super important, not just when you're in school, but I think all through our life. And so yeah, there were times where I would often be finding myself doing things that I wouldn't normally do or wouldn't do at home mm. in order to be accepted, in order to be liked by right. my friends. Because by and default, your parents are going to love you anyway, regardless. Exactly. So, so that's one that's in the bag pretty much, so to sure. speak, right? Yeah. But then with your friends, there's no guarantees like that's it is right. at home. Yeah, yeah. and so, you know, I was I was always, you know, doing things to, uh, you know, be noticed, to be seen as the funny guy or the clown of the, right. the classroom. And so that, that, that would often lead us, particularly in high school, being you know, exposed to, um, you know, words or ideas or, you know, thoughts that you just are best not to be exposed sure, to. Sure, because you, you, you're pushing the envelope. You want to, something funny normally, something that's novel, something that's unexpected, mm. maybe pushing the boundaries a little bit and people are surprised that you said that. And that, all those things are considered quite funny. Mm. And of course, you get a reputation and a name and you seem to be appreciated and liked for the novelty that you bring. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, and, I, I understand the pressures. I can sort of relate to that. And I guess, Etienne, the tension was can I keep both lifestyles up? As a teenager, can I keep the lifestyle of, you know, I go to church every Sabbath. I, yeah. I'm a part of this, you know, quote unquote, Christian, this, 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 dare I say, Adventist family as we mm. were and still are. Do I keep that lifestyle up? But how can I keep that lifestyle up and also this lifestyle at school? So the two lifestyles, uh, they weren't a blend of one and the same thing. You, 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 it sounds like you're <laughs> saying that they were starting, there was a little bit of a, 
uh, friction between the two? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, there was. And, you know, I, I can kind of, you know, laugh and joke about it now, you know, looking back on it mm. all. Uh, but yeah, it was it was it was that tension, and yeah. there was I guess a bit of a, a gap that was that was widening because of that. Right. And there was one particular moment I remember where I think it was maybe a school camp or something like that where you know I would often use you know I, I, w- I would swear quite a lot. Right. And it's something that I'm not proud of mm. uh, that I used to do, and, and thankfully you know by God's power and strength I don't do that anymore. Yes. And so there was a time on I think it was a school camp or excursion or something like that where, you know, I was swearing. And then a friend of mine whom was an Adventist, a Seventh-day Adventist, said, why are you swearing? Mm. He's like, do you think you're doing this to seem cool or, you know, to be liked? Like, well, he called you, you on it. it? Yeah. Well. Called me out on it. And uh, I just remember at that point in time I felt about the size of an ant. Oh. And it just, I just stopped and thought, yeah, why am I doing this? Mm. You know, why do I, why do I feel the need, or wh- why do I chase this idea of trying to be um, accepted within my peers, yet not giving them the truth that who I am at home is who I am all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, who I am or who I say I am yeah. is who I actually am, and so that's been something that you know came to, to came to the fore in high school. With, I would often say one thing but do another thing. And I can still say today that on, on different levels at different times in life, that's still something I struggle with, is I can say one thing, I can say all the right things, but doing it is sometimes a different thing. Mm. I think a lot of us struggle with that. It's a tension. Yeah, Morgan, yeah, mm. that's true. And uh, there's that text in Romans chapter, I think it is chapter 2 and verse 13. It's not the hearers of the law, but mm. the doers of the law that will be justified. Mm. And I always always consider that. Uh, even Jesus in a sermon on the mount there talks about the wise man and the foolish man. The mm. wise man builds on a rock and the foolish man on the sand. And, of mm. course, when the storms come, the one that's built on the rock stays solid, but the one on the sand is collapsed. And the difference between the two is, is those who hear the words of Christ and mm. do them. And do them. They're mm. the ones that build on the rock. But the one who hears and doesn't do, he's the one that builds on the sand. So very just important prior, point to bring that out. Yeah, I'll just point out too, just prior to what you were just mentioning there in, with Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, prior to that, Jesus says, you know, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, Lord yeah. will enter into the kingdom. Mm, but he who does the will of my Father. I, exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, then Jesus says, you know, depart from me, you who do iniquity. And so... When I read scriptures like this, mm. it's yes, it's a it's a challenging rebuke, uh, but it's also an encouragement to know that God wants us. Mm. God wants us to have an a, an alignment. It is almost like synonymous relationship between what we say and what we do. Uh, one almost flows from the other, and so yeah. it's kind of high school in a nutshell. That is true. I can so relate. I mean, my mind's going back to my high school days as well where you wanted to be liked and sometimes you'll compromise, mm. uh, especially people who are people pleasers. They like to please others, you know, and uh, and, and be positive in that regard. But the, the, the temptation is there that you're pleasing to the point where you're compromising principle mm. and also mm. your relationship with the Lord. And, uh, yeah, that is a very important point. And I'm glad you brought that up, and I'm sure there's many. Mm. out there that could relate to that. So, dear listener, maybe that's your story as well, but uh, please continue. It's, mm. uh, I'm fascinated by all these life lessons that are coming through so early in the piece sure, already. Sure, yeah. And so there, there, was, there was every sense in which 
No, no, I'll say it this way. Sometimes we hear people say, you know, God doesn't have grandchildren. He only has children. Mm. And what I mean by that is there had to come a point in life where I need to I needed to know God for myself. Right. My parents did. That was evident. Mm. You know, that was totally evident by the, the transformation that uh, would happen in their life. Yes. But there had to come a point in time in my life where I would be a child of God. Mm. You know, as, as, as John records in, in John 1, you know, as many as have received him, to them he gave the right or the, the privilege. Pa- the power, yeah. The power to become the sons of God. Oh, yeah. And so there had to be a, a sense in which I would receive and accept that sonship mm. that, uh, that, that Christ gave uh, for me. And so there was a time in year 10. It was year 10. No, 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 no. It was 11. Anyway. Year 10 or 11, somewhere around that period, where we went on what was called Stormco. Uh, it's a service okay. trip, um, like a community service trip out back to New South Wales. We went with some teachers and, and a group of students, and we would, you know, go out into the community for a week, uh, do community service, um, you know, minister to the felt needs of the people. And on that trip, I just remember seeing the community that we went to, and something didn't sit right. Hmm. And whilst things weren't sitting right as I was on that trip, also what was going on in my mind was these Bible studies I'd just started doing where I was discovering things like why Jesus went to the cross. I was discovering right. what's God's plan for my life. Mm. You know, what does it mean to be a Seventh-day Adventist? What's my identity as a, as a son of God? So these two are kind of coming together. They're playing off, off of each other. The things mm. I'm learning from the Bible and also these needs in the community that are just it's it's messing with me you know i'm seeing children you know in poverty and it's just it's, something's not right yeah and i remember on the on the, the bus trip home i just thought something needs to be done about this mm. realizing yes i can't change the world i can't be the savior of the world but realizing that i can do something and so when we went back to school you know for the new term I pulled together some of the students that went on that service trip out west and said, guys, let's meet once a week. I'd previously chatted to the religion teacher in high school and said, hey, would I be able to use your your classroom one lunchtime a week to do Bible studies with some students? And they were the students who came on that service trip. Right. And said, hey, guys, come together, because they too were touched by the the, the felt needs of the community and wanted Mm. to do something about it. And I started not by any doing of my own, but God laid it upon my heart to give Bible studies to these students who went on the trip. Mm. And so we started for you know a couple of terms we did it. And the things I was learning in Bible studies, I would then go through it again, revise it, look at verses, et cetera, et cetera, and then give those Bible studies to the students yeah. that came on the trip, my, my, my classmates and peers. And it was amazing. Because not only were the things I learning being more confirmed and becoming more true and real in my life by sharing, but it was changing them mm. as well. And so at that age of about you know 16 or 17, I started to see that, that God had given me the gift of, of, of teaching and of sharing the word of God wow. with people. Okay. And it was incredible. Mm. And it wasn't any doing of my own. 
I was always wanting to talk about other things and do other things. And, you know, being the person who, as I mentioned earlier, would, you know, find it so easy to, you know, swear or to talk about vulgar or crude or just, you know, less than positive things. I'm now starting to talk about these things. Right. There's still this, you know, the old man trying to rise up again. But more and more this is happening. And so I'm doing these Bible studies with, with, with the students at school, and it's great. Hmm. And then I get an opportunity. We, we would have at school like a week of uh, prayer, a week of okay. worship. Nice. We would have chapel every morning for a whole week. And this particular week of worship was run by the students, for the students. And so there were five students over the five days that would take a, like a 10, 15-minute talk each. Hmm. And so I was asked to take one of those, and, and I did. And then I was asked that following Sabbath, so like a few days later, to take the same talk and speak in church. And I'm just thinking, where's this coming from? Like, yeah. You know, it started off with just giving some Bible studies to some students for like 20 minutes yeah. to now taking a chapel in front of 400 students and teachers to now taking a sermon in a church. Mm. And I could see that God was not giving me, but he was revealing to me the talents that he had given me. Sure. And there was great joy and, and, and satisfaction and, and, and I, sen- I guess a sense of accomplishment in what God was doing in me. Well, it's that text in the Bible is more blessed to give than to receive. So you were able to give, but God is you're obviously yeah. receiving from the Lord as and well. And so I was seeing, you know, one of my favorite texts in the Bible, you know, speaks of uh, Paul. Uh, he speaks of how God is able to do exceedingly abundantly mm. above all that we could ever ask or imagine. Yeah, well, it's because of that power who, yeah. who works in us. And, mm. and and that was what I was seeing accomplished. Wow. His purpose in me. And that was something that was just incredible. That is remarkable. And, and if I just step back even further, you were saying that you'd been studying the scriptures, you'd been reading about the sacrifice of Christ, why it was necessary. Mm. And all that, and this was starting to play in your mind. And then when you went out in the community and you saw the great need, mm. what Christ had done for the needs of the world, mm-hmm. and I came as a, as a sin bearer, as the sacrifice, as the savior of the world, and seeing the needs there then compelled you to go in another direction. Mm. So it started with the word of God, basically, and the Holy Spirit convicting you. Yeah, definitely. And one thing led to another, and you're teaching. Before you know it, your talents are acknowledged and seen. And now God is pushing you into a broader field of ministry mm. where you're not just talking to your mates at school anymore. Mm. You're now talking to the whole school. And then from there, now you're talking to the church. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Now that's very powerful. So um, you're still in high school when this happens. Mm. Mm-hmm. At that time, do you feel a calling in a particular direction or are you just going with the flow? You're thinking, well, let's see where the Spirit, Holy Spirit leads. I, I knew what I should have done. You know, I knew what Should God wanted. I knew what God wanted me to do. Okay, uh, so we're going to have a detour here somewhere in the story. Yeah, there's a de- there's a there's a bit of a detour, a the, bit of a, a Jonah experience, so to speak. Oh wow! <laughs> well, listen, uh, just before we start with this detour and this Jonah experience, uh, let's just take a quick break. Do you listen? Stay with us. You are listening to by the word of their testimony. My special guest in the studio is Morgan Vincent, and we'll be right back after this message. Hello, I'm Tim Standish from the Geoscience Research Institute. Behind me is a Jurassic limestone quarry in Solnhofen, Bavaria, famous for its fossils. My colleagues and I are here studying Archaeopteryx, possibly the most famous Solnhofen fossil. Imagine Charles Darwin's excitement over Archaeopteryx, a bird with 
teeth in its mouth, and a dinosaur-like tail? Was it a missing link between dinosaurs and birds? Possible missing links are still big news, which emphasizes their rarity when Darwinism predicts them everywhere. As is common with news-making missing links, after further study, most experts reject Archaeopteryx as a missing link. Abundant other bird fossils, including at least one modern bird, are found in Jurassic rocks or in overlying Cretaceous rocks. Patterns of fossil appearance and disappearance are difficult to understand. As scientists, it's tempting to wish we had all the answers, but the creation is far more interesting than that. We don't know exactly why diverse fossil birds appear in a pattern essentially the opposite of Darwinism's predictions. Sometimes faith liberates us to admit we don't know everything, but that there is sufficient evidence to believe the biblical record of history over the alternatives. Dear listener, welcome back. You are listening to By the Word of Their Testimony. My special guest in the studio is Morgan Vincent. Now, Morgan, you were just telling us about your life journey and how you started noticing that God had placed a calling on your heart mm. to be a teacher, possibly a preacher. Mm. And uh, that's where the doors were starting to open. But you mentioned something interesting just before the break. You, uh, I started picking up by a word you used that there might have been a little detour. You didn't go just straight from... Uh, from A to B, mm. there might have been a, a A1 and an A2 and an A3 on the way yeah. to B. So tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So you're at school, you feel God's calling you to ministry. What happens? Mm. Yeah, so upon uh, graduating from, from high school, I, I could definitely see God leading me to, I didn't know necessarily to what, sure. but I knew the general direction You know, he wanted me to go in. Mm. It was to be someone who would preach the word of God, someone to to teach it to people, and just to be actively involved in mission in so that capacity. You felt the call of the Gospel Commission which Christ gave mm. just before he sent it to heaven? Full-time. Full-time? Yeah, full-time. Wow. Okay. Yeah, and so that was something that, that, that was, it was clear. Mm. You know, as a, as a 17, 18-year-old, uh, that's what God wanted me to do. And so upon finishing high school, I didn't necessarily know what to do. I didn't know what that looked like. And I just thought, um... Um, well, I'll just do teaching. Right. And so I enrolled to, to study primary teaching at Newcastle University. And, yeah, kind of started doing that. And it was in the beginning of 2012, which was my first year at university, where there was this kind of two-week training program for those who wanted to be you know, better equipped to be able to share their faith. And I went along to that program, and mm. it was the first class of that two-week program yeah. was on the importance of getting ready to share. Okay. And there was this one line that stood out to me and, and it was by this presenter and, and he said that you cannot share what you yourself do not have. Well, that makes sense. And he uses yeah. the illustration of if I have $50, I can give you $50, but if I don't have $50, I can't give you $50. Mm. And so he talked about the importance of you know, not only knowing Christ personally uh, as, as a personal friend yeah. and Savior, uh, but also knowing the Word of God personally as well, mm. not just relying on intellectual knowledge 
and what someone else has said, but what God has revealed to you from the scriptures. That's a really important point. So, you know, I think it's First Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, 2, and 3 there. It says that knowledge puffs up, but mm. love edifies. I'm pretty sure it's there where it mm. says that. But at the same time, the Bible encourages us to know God. Mm-hmm. So there's got to be a, a deep personal knowledge of God and his plan for you. Mm. So thank you for bringing that out. Yeah, so... Yeah, no, it's it, and it's super important. It's still something that I have to continually remind myself of now. Mm. It's not how much I know, uh, but it's who who, who, who I know. know. Amen. And and it's something that often I can lean back on. You know, knowledge. I can lean back on talent. I can lean back on, you know, the the, the gifts and the minds that God has given me. Mm. But what I have to keep reminding myself of is: Do I know Christ today? Yeah. Have I spent time with him today mm. in order to be able to share him with other people? Yeah. Connecting with the source of life and wisdom exactly. and true knowledge. It's true. Yeah. And so, yeah, the first year of university is going along. And I, I meet a, a friend of mine. And, well, he wasn't a friend at the time. He was more an acquaintance. I knew of him. Mm. And I said to him, I said, I'm wanting to reach out to uni students on campus. Right. And... You know, if you're not going to help, because uh, he was chatting about, you know, the idea of it. And I just was kind of a bit of a bull at the gate with it. I was like, I'm just pumped to do this. I just want to go out and do it. I said, if you're not willing to, you know, help and, you know, come alongside and let's, you know, work as a team, then I'm just going to go ahead and do it. We both agreed. We both said, yep, let's let's partner together in this um, hmm. and let's do this. Let's reach university students uh, for Christ. And so we, we embarked on that. You know, starting up small Bible study groups, and you know, we'd, we'd gather once a week on campus and run different programs, health and you know, fitness and uh, you know, evangelistic prophecy mm, meetings wow. as well. And so, we would be doing these things. But there was this, there just there was something inside of me that it was almost as though God was saying, "Yeah, what you're doing is good, but I want you to do great things." Mm. And, and 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 when I can look back on it now, hindsight's a fantastic. It's a beautiful thing. It is. It's a great teacher. <laughs> um, something strikes a chord with me, and and probably you know with you as well, Etienne, and, and our listeners is that our life on this earth is quite short, mm. really, in comparison to eternity. Yes. So if it's 70, 80, 90 years, God doesn't want us to just do good things for those seventy, eighty, or ninety years. God wants us to do great things. Mm. And when, as I was studying teaching, I just thought, oh, I can, you know, be a teacher and, you know, praise God for teachers. I mean, I had fantastic teachers through school and they do an incredible, you know, role and, and work in raising children up. And I knew this and I just thought, God, maybe we can have a bit of a compromise here where I can just keep doing teaching and kind of, you know, preach on the side and do Bible studies on the side and things like this, but, you know, still be a teacher for the lion's share of of, of a week and of each year. Mm. And God had his plan, you know, to, to bring us back. He has thousands of ways to, you know, provide and to plan and to bring us back into the center of his will. And for me, it was, it was at the end of graduating uh, from primary teaching so for a few years, we were doing the, the outreach on the campus of Newcastle University. Right. And then upon graduating, I was set to teach a kindergarten class at uh, a school in Newcastle. 
and thought, yeah, it'll be good. You know, I'll be able to, you know, meet the parents there and, you know, interact with them and, you know, kind of be a, a, a follower of Christ that lets my actions speak louder than words, hmm. which is a true thing. Yes. But there also is the truth that we need to speak the word of faith. We need to, you know, be the one to proclaim God's message yeah. of truth to the world. And so there's that duality of, of uh, you know, there being someone who lets our actions speak louder than words, but we also speak the word of right. God to people. Yeah. And I was hiding that one away. I was kind of, you know, pushing that one aside of saying, well, I just would rather, you know, do this. Mm. Be a, a kindergarten teacher. I was all set to teach at the beginning of what was 2017, 2017. Okay. And then I got a call from uh, a principal up in Port Macquarie, and he said, hey, you know, what are you up to this year? I explained to him, about to start teaching for the year, and he said, oh, okay. Look, just wanted to let you know, not to convince you, but just to let you know that uh, we're needing a chaplain. Wow. And I thought... Maybe I could be a chaplain 10, 15, 20 years in the future. Mm. Not now. Mm-hmm. And I don't know whether that was, you know, because of, you know, self-doubt or I didn't think I was good enough or worthy enough or um, I, I don't know. But I just thought it'll be a long way off in the future. Yeah. And he said, what we're after is, is someone to be a chaplain, but also to do a bit of teaching as well. And I'm hearing this and I'm thinking, hmm, I've studied teaching. I know what God is wanting me to do. It almost seems too good to be true. And so at the end of that phone call, I said, oh, look, you know, really appreciate the offer, but, you know, I'll, I'll just have to, you know, decline it at this point in time. Mm. And he was like, yep, look, that's totally fine. You know, don't want to push you, but just to let you know. Pray about it and just let me know. Yeah. And so I did. I, you know, chatted to some people about it, my parents included, prayed about it a lot. And and I remember my dad said, "Why do, look, you've got nothing to lose by going up there and mm. just checking out the school. You've got nothing to lose. I thought, mm, yeah, okay, I'll go up. So I went up and I called the principal, let him know. I said, hey, look, just want to come up and check out the school and, and uh, whatnot. He says, oh, sure, you know, do you want to take a chapel? Oh, okay. And so, you know, I took a, you know, 15-minute talk for the for the kids there and, and spoke on, you know, how God saved me from um, from drowning, mm. which maybe I can share that a little later. Sure, okay. Juncture I think that we'll have some story. time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I share that with the students and principal gave me a tour of the school and, and I'm just, there's a time in which you just, you know, you know. And upon that day, you know, being at the school there, I just knew. I just knew that this is what God wanted me to do. Some would say, well, maybe you just went by feelings or et cetera, et cetera. But it just became very clear and evident that God was guiding and, and, and using these experiences of giving Bible studies to my classmates at school, preaching, mm. studying at university to be a teacher, all culminating and leading me to this place yeah. to be a chaplain and a teacher. And so I did. I embarked on that for 2017 and 2018 and thoroughly enjoyed the time in being a chaplain and a teacher, being able to realize the felt needs 
of those in the community, the school community and the wider community. And God just blessed in, in no real effort of my own, but but his. Yeah. His uh, effort. And so with that, there were times where, you know, I was asked, for example, to be the chaplain of the local rugby league club okay. in town. You just, you know, because, uh, you know, we would look as a school community ways to, you know, connect with the school families and, you know, go above and beyond. And that was noticed and recognized. And there was the, the invitation there to be uh, the chaplain of the of the rugby league team. Wow. And that Incredible. was... That was remarkable, mm. you know, to, to be involved in that and and for a year. So you're um, the Lord is blessing you. You're in a Christian school, the Seventh Venice Christian mm. School, mm. and now you're extending into the community. So you're not just the salt of the church; you're the salt of the earth, as Jesus says. You know, we yeah. are to be. Yeah. Praise God! Well, what an opportunity. And something, as I can learn from that, something stands out is that when when we're faithful in the little things, mm. when we're faithful in the simple things. And when we're doing ministry, when we're, when we're being a Christian for the right reasons and for the right motives, God blesses in spite of our unfaithfulness, in spite of our shortcomings and sins and failings. In spite of ourselves. He gives us these opportunities. He grants us these opportunities mm. to be involved in his work. And something I came to realize at the end of my time in my, the two years in Port Macquarie was that God wanted me in full-time ministry not to just do good things, but God wanted me to do great things. Wow. For teachers and for the teachers out there, God's laid on their heart to be a teacher, and mm. that's the great thing for them to do. Yes. But for me, God wanted me to do something different. Mm. And so with that, I was realizing and, and, and firmly realized now that God wants me to be involved in full-time ministry as a pastor. Yes, to save as many people as possible and to help others know Christ as much as possible. But God's doing this and God's giving me this opportunity to save me in this because if I was left to do an, another job or another career, I'm prone to getting distracted. Right. Okay. <laughs> I just am. I'm prone to getting distracted, and you know, whoa, I, I'll you know go after this thing or that thing. Yeah. But to be in in that kind of field, that kind of work, mm. of full time ministry and pastoring, God's doing this because it's my best shot at God saving me. Wow. Well, that's profound. And 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 it seems a well, that's a proud thing to say, but to me it rather shows how much I actually need Christ. Mm. You know, hats off to the people that, you know, can work a 40, 50-hour week and, you know, still do mission work and, you know, uh, ministry and, you know, they maintain a, a healthy, growing uh, relationship with Christ. Yes. But for me, I just need God's that much in my life that it needs to be the thing I do every day. It needs mm. to be what I do every day, every moment of every day, yeah. as often as possible because... I'm so weak, I'm so prone to getting distracted that this is the one thing that 
God needs me to do. This is how the Lord's going to keep you on the path, on the straight exactly. and narrow, so to exactly. speak. Exactly, exactly. Well, I can so relate to that. I've sometimes said to people, you know, uh, my work here at 3AB, and maybe this was the only way that God could save me. Yeah. Because you're involved in ministry. Mm-hmm. Some other people seem to be able to get that good balance between you know, mm-hmm. work and secular life and religious life. And I don't think you can sort of separate one from the other. You're, you're a Christian 24-7. Mm-hmm. You're not a Christian just one day in seven, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, just in the odd one here, or when you go on holiday, you're no longer a Christian. And when mm. you come back from holiday, now you can go back to your religious exercises again. Mm. We had to be Christians all the time. And for me, I can so so connect with what you're saying. For me to be involved in ministry, I think, is where the Lord called me. Unfortunately, I didn't have a short detour. I had a very long detour. Mm. And finally got back. So yeah. praise God that your, your detour is a lot shorter it than was. mine. It was. <laughs> thankfully, thankfully, it was shorter. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so... God lays on your heart. You're a chaplain for how many years? A year or two? Two years. Two years. Two years. Okay. Yep. And then after that, now you've gone and you've, you, you're studying ministry. Mm, mm. Oh, praise God. Now, you mentioned something interesting. Obviously, you've had a few interesting experiences in your life along the way. The one was where God saved you from drowning. Mm, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, well, praise God for the uh, for the saving, but the experience itself would have been a little bit scary, no doubt. It was. It was. Yeah. So that was at the end of my first year studying primary teaching. Okay. So I just turned 19. And we, as a part of the, the student group that we had on campus at Newcastle University, uh, took a day trip out mm. just to you know, celebrate the year and hang out, have fun mm. as, uh, as friends. And so we did that, went up to uh, Nelson Bay and climbed you know, a little, not a mountain, a hill, yeah. climbed that. It was a super hot day. And so upon coming back down, we were just sweating and, oh, we just need water. It's just hot. hot yeah. And as we came back down the mountain, there was uh, the, the the bay to the right-hand side there. Just, it was flat. It was nice and calm. But we knew that to the left, there was the beach there. Mm. And so we whoosh, off to the left and went to the beach. We were just so hot, just wanted water as quickly as possible. And we didn't look. Well, we did look, but we just ignored the fact that there were no lifeguards. There were no it – was it was an unpatrolled beach. Mm. And so we – in the water. There's about five or six of us that went further out the back. And then one of the people said, hey, let's have a little competition and see how long we can float on our backs for. Mm. Not the best idea. Okay. Not the best idea. And so we all start floating. And then all of a sudden, one of the, the people in the five or six of us that were further out in the ocean, he starts to panic, yelling, screaming. I'm like, what's he complaining about? Like, yeah. You know, there's other people around him that are right, you know, literally less than a meter from him. But all of a sudden, I find myself drifting off away from the group. It was because I was caught in a rip. Right. And so I was. So he was the first one to experience the rip. That's why he was complaining? No, I don't know why he oh, was. Okay. That, that was kind of a funny thing. I was that like, was a weird. Yeah, what's what, going on? What's going on with you? Like, and I'm, I'm kind of drifting away. I'm like, oh, like things are okay. Like, yeah. you know, it'll all be all right. You know, I know rips, you know, they take their course, they do their thing. And, yeah. You know, not panic, et cetera, et cetera. And then, then all of a sudden, the next thing I know, uh, Etienne, is that I'm finding myself going up and down, up and down in the water. Mm. And So is this the, just the, the roll of the waves stacking you up and down? You're staying on top or you meaning you're sort of ducking a little bit lower and then up? What do you mean by yeah, that? Yeah, so I'm thirsty, but it's not good to drink. Salty seawater. Oh. And so, you know, my head's going down. So you're not as buoyant, you're not buoyant as uh, you were when you were floating on top. Yeah, sure. Okay. And so I, I'm starting to panic a little bit more. Mm. I'm kind of, I, I just don't see the others now. They're back 
oh, wait, no, no, now they're back. I'm like, oh, man, like, now they're back on the sand. And it's just me out there by myself. And I'm starting to panic more and more and going down underneath the water and, you know, trying to get enough air in my lungs to breathe. It was honestly the one and only time in my life where I honestly thought, this is it. Wow. So you were facing your mortality and you thought it was right in front of your face, so to speak. I honestly thought, this is it. Mm. I don't remember much of it. Mm. And that was because I was under the water. Yeah. There was just enough time for me to gasp enough air and say but three words, Lord, save me. Wow. I didn't have time to, you know, pray, you know, a prayer for five minutes. Mm. And again, something I learned from that day was that it's not the length of our prayers, Mm. but it's the, shall we say, intensity. Yeah. It's the the passion, the heart from which we pray. Mm. There's nothing wrong with praying a long time. I think it's a great thing. Yes. But oftentimes, maybe in a particular incident or situation in life, we only have time for perhaps three words. Yeah. It's all Peter had well, that's when right. he was drowning. Yeah. And Funny so, you should use the same words. Yeah. It, and 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 it, exactly. Lord save me. Exactly mm. what Peter prayed. Then the next thing I notice is that there's a friend that, that comes out from our group. I'm like, oh, thank goodness. So I latch myself on top of him. I'm not really worried about his life. I'm just... <gasps> I just I, I want air in my lungs. Yes, he yeah. was a big enough and strong enough guy, and so we were both kind of staying afloat. But he's now getting in a dangerous situation, and so then he decides to take back to the sand, or else two of us are going to die. Hmm. And I'm like, oh no, like this isn't good. So he's left you by him, by yourself now. He tried to save, but realized couldn't. he couldn't save hmm. himself and me. Hmm. And then I go back underneath the water again, come back up. And then the next thing I see are these people coming toward me. There were three of them, one from our group, another person, and then these two guys with a surfboard. I'd never seen these guys before. Mm. Neither had anyone from our group. All right. And when I see that surfboard, I just I jump right onto it, mm. realizing I'm not fully safe yet. I'm not out of you know, the situation, but things are getting a little better. Starting to breathe, get some air in, because I drunk, you know, quite a lot of water. Oh. And they take me back to, to the sand. And by this time, the group had called the ambulance, and so they were on their way. And, uh, you know, the, the ambulance came, and when I was back there on the sand, you know, they you know, we're making sure that I, I you know, wasn't suffering from hypothermia or because, you know, the water was cool mm. uh, and, you know, just checking my lungs with all the water I'd... So you'd, you'd breathe water into your lungs? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And so it, it, it wasn't a good situation. Mm. And it was later that day where I realized that God had saved my life for a purpose. Mm. But yet... Some of us may be thinking, well, maybe I know someone that was young and they were in a situation like that or a car accident or something and they passed away. Yeah. And I wrestled with that for a while thinking, why was my life spared? But other people I knew at 19, 20, 21 died. Mm. And I don't have all the answers for that. Sure. 
But what I do know is that God, when all is said and done, will have and will reveal all of the answers to Mm. the questions we have around suffering and why this, why not that. And until then, I guess the encouragement and and little, you know, plea and pitch for, for each of us is that when we can't see God's hand, when we can't touch his hand, we can trust his heart. Amen. You know, when there, there there are times in in my life, and I'm sure for each of our lives, where it we can't see God's hand, we can't see and feel and, and grasp His hand. Mm. Doesn't mean He's not there, but we can trust His heart. That's true because He's proven Himself faithful time and time and time again. But we also have to realize that in this world, it's the one world where Satan's going all out. Mm. To steal and to kill and to destroy as many as possible. And the greater will, the greater good that God is bringing about is is eternal salvation. Mm. You know, fear not those who who can kill the body, but fear those who can... Fear him who can kill both body and soul in hell. Mm. And so for me in that moment, I knew why God saved me. And... That was a time where even now, even today, when I can look back on that, it's it's a reminder to again remember why God saved my life and why I'm alive today. And yeah, there were some detours and maybe some compromises with God and you know some 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 poor decisions that I've made along the way. But um, God's remained faithful through it all. And because of that, it means that when I can't feel his hand, when I can't grasp his hand, I can trust his heart. Mm. And I think that's a powerful thought. Very powerful. Yeah, and it's interesting, you know, we don't have all the answers on this planet. I mean, mm. why do you explain one person is saved from, you know, uh, an accident and another person may not, or saved from drowning and another mm. person may not be? You know, we, we don't have all these answers. And that beautiful chapter on love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, mm. towards the end there it says, uh, for now we see in a mirror dimly. Mm. Um, but then face to face, talking about when Christ comes, we'll see face to face. Now we know in part, but then we shall know just as we also are known. Mm. So we only know in part and we don't understand, but ultimately everything will be understood far more clearly than we can now because we don't see the full picture. Mm. And we praise God, though, that he has been able to save your life at that time because mm. obviously he still had some work for you to do. Sure. And um, we're grateful for God's mercies, his kindness, and that there were two guys on, on boards. Mm. Oh, and and I should say, when we all got back to the sand, they just disappeared. Mm. These two guys with the surfboard. And I believe that each of us has angels, guardian angels. Sure, Um, That's very clear from from the Bible. But what God does at at certain junctures in our life, often, more often than we realize, is that he will send angels, he'll he'll send reinforcements from heaven. Mm-hmm. To help us and to save us, and I, I, I firmly believe that day, those two men were angels. Yeah, wow. Sent to save my life, mm. and that's not just my thought and belief, but it's the thought and belief of the other people that were they there, were there as well. Yeah, they just disappeared. Look, when we commit ourselves to the Lord, I believe there's a special hedge He puts around mm. us. You know, Job was a story. Mm. Satan said, well, why does Job believe in you? Because you've put a hedge about him. You're protecting Mm. him. 
And uh, there's a psalm there, Psalm 34 and verse 6 and 7, it says, And this poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his trouble. And then verse 7 says, And the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Mm. So I believe there's a special deliverance that God does for his people when they commit their lives fully to him. Mm. And uh, we are so grateful for your testimony that actually brings that out. Mm. Um, but Morgan, we just have to take a break here. Dear listeners, stay with us. We're going to share our contact details with you, and then we'll just wrap it up straight after this. Thank you for joining us on By the Word of Their Testimony. If you would like more information about today's program, or if you have any questions, please contact 3ABN Australia Radio by phoning 0249733456. Or you can send an email to radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. You can also contact us on our 3ABN Australia Radio Facebook page. We look forward to hearing from you. Well, dear listener, thank you for staying with us during the program. Our special guest in the studio is Morgan Vincent. Now, Morgan, just as we wrap it up, any words of encouragement that you can share with our listener Mm. out there today? Sure, yeah. Firstly, it's been great. And I just pray that the program today will be a blessing to you and the encouragement I want to leave with with every listener uh, myself included is God gives us a promise and this is a promise that he's reminded me of time and time again in life and it's it's mm. found in Jeremiah 29 and often people they know Jeremiah 29 and verse 11 yes which says for I know the thoughts that I think toward you says the Lord thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope praise God for that mm. But sometimes we forget to read verse 12 and 13. Right. And sometimes we can forget the context of Jeremiah 29. Right. So the context of chapter 29 is that God's people are in captivity. Mm. They don't have their place of worship. They don't have their language spoken all the time. They're in very unfamiliar, uncertain, precarious situations. Yes. And it's in that, it's in their captivity that God goes on and says, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. Mm. God says, I will listen to you. And verse 13 says, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord. Wow. And so the encouragement to give to each of us today is that God's not too hard to find. Mm. King David in Psalm 23 realizes that it's God's goodness and his unfailing love that follows, that chases and pursues him all the days of his life. Yeah. Oftentimes we're the ones hiding and God's not too far, to, not too hard to find, rather. Wow. So that's the promise for each of us, that if we seek God with all our heart, if we call and if we pray to him, then he will be found by us. We will find him. And he will find us as well. Well, praise God. Thank you so much, uh, my uh, guest, Morgan Vincent, for sharing those words of encouragement uh, with you, dear listener. Thank you for joining us on the program. And thank you for coming to share your testimony, thank Morgan. You. Dear listener, we look forward to catching up with you next time. Until then, God bless. You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.